Welcome, folks, to a new episode of Common Sense Podcast with me, Mike Omni. It's a joy to have you back. We are back to somewhat of a reg regular schedule. So thank you if you enjoyed last week's episode. Uh, conversation with, oh my gosh, I forgot his name. That's really sad. Chris Revo, that's his name, who was a social media strategist, social media expert. If you haven't listened to that, do listen because, you know, he spoke about social media and just how we navigate a digital age. Um, and I've had some you know, comments from people who said they really enjoyed it. And by the way, folks, you can let me know what you think about episodes. This is meant to be a kind of two-way thing. So if you enjoy episodes, let us know. Uh, the, the, the social media handles are Common Sense Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow um, to see some, I guess, bonus uh, 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 assets and stuff. Um, but you can also leave a review. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can go on Apple Podcasts and drop uh, a review. You know, let us know how you, what you think about it. Five stars, four stars, whatever it is. But what I'm really interested in is your feedback, i.e. it's going well, or I like this, or stop doing this, or, or, or do more of that. And if actually you're thinking, you know what, I really enjoy this podcast, but I think it could improve in some way. We're actually looking to grow our team. So you can join our team. We've got a producer, but you can join and become one of the producers or maybe it's social media you're passionate about. Just drop us a message. You know, again, Common Sense Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. Just DM us um, if you're interested in joining the team um, and helping out this podcast, you know, helping it grow, whether it's booking guests or suggesting guests or suggesting topics. Um, I would love to have some people who listen join. I always find that people who listen, like you guys or watch, um, are always make the best team members because because you, you've got the context, you know the uh, you know the podcast, you know the strengths, you know the weaknesses. So do <clears throat> reach out to us if you're interested in that. Today's episode is interesting. Um, it's fun because we're going to be talking about all the different ways our lives has, have changed, uh, so to speak, because of COVID. Um, obviously, in the UK, pretty much across all the different nations now, everyone's agreeing that we've got to move. Uh, uh, you know, to, past freedom day so to speak so wales equally are uh, uh, lifting lockdown restrictions scotland's doing the same and we are running towards a new normal and i just thought this was a good time to put a comma on our lives a bit and just consider right all the different ways our lives have changed and and all the different things zooms uh not zoom Here <laughs> go how important zoom is in our life i can't get through a sentence without bringing zoom up but all the different ways our lives has changed because of covid um mackenzie uh, re released a really interesting report that talked about, you know, some top level stats uh, that show just all the different ways our lives has changed and the kind of digital age, if you like, that COVID has uh, exacerbated. Um, the headline is essentially that we've covered uh, a decade in days when it comes to uh, the adoption of digital, right? So I'll give you some stats really quickly. Um, as it pertains to online delivery, uh, during the high peak COVID, we saw 10 years of delivery, no, online delivery done in eight weeks, right? <laughs> Which is just crazy for e-commerce, right? Um, when it comes to Zoom or video conferencing, uh, 20, uh, 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 peak COVID over a three-month period saw 20 times more people uh, uh, online doing Zoom and, and, and doing video conferencing, which is crazy. Uh, when it comes to remote learning, uh, in terms of uh, students in China who went online, 250 million children in China went online across a two-week period. Um, and when it comes to online entertainment, you know, <laughs> essentially the, the, the stat also shows that we basically covered seven years in about five months, right? You know, 
Disney Plus, which was a, a new kind of streaming software that, that launched, achieved in two weeks what it took Netflix seven years to achieve. So it's undeniable that COVID um, and lockdown and kind of the self-isolation, stuff like that, really exacerbated uh, this new age we're living in now. And even as we go back to a new normal, I'm just really curious as to what will happen. Will these trends keep staying the way they are? I don't know. But also, I would love to find out from you if you're listening or watching, you know, how COVID's changed your life. You know, what's changed? What's happened um, as a result of, 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 of COVID? Let us know. I'm going to bring on a guest who's going to help me navigate, you know, this, this, this conversation. He's an entrepreneur and a writer, uh, David Eloku. He's been on the podcast before. And I saw a really interesting tweet from him um, saying he was going to be launching uh, a new project and when I was reading this report and I saw his tweet, I kind of thought this is interesting because what he's launching, when you map it against, you know, what, everything I just told you, all the stats I just told you, they almost seem a bit juxtaposed. You know, is this the time to launch something new? I don't know. So I thought I would ask him and just and just get a, a sense of why, when, how, so on and so forth. So let's let's bring on David. David, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. This is your second time on. You you might as well pull up yes. a chair. You know. <laughs> Feeling very welcome. Although I think both of our backgrounds have changed since then. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is true. So I've moved houses. I did it. I did it just a few weeks ago. Uh, where have you moved as well? I'm guessing. Um, no, I mean I've just moved rooms. So <laughs> now I have a dedicated like office space at home, which is good. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm trying to get my office kind of. So I've got a desk, <clears throat> which you can oh, not there. Sorry, a, a kind of uh, what do you call it? Like just a cabinet behind me, which is a bit boring. You've you've managed to get this thing suspended on the wall, which looks far fancier. And how have you oh, done yeah. that? I mean, it's it's not not too difficult actually. It's just got a few nails in the back. These are the DIY skills you pick up in a pandemic. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I I you know spoke about moving houses there. I <laughs> I recently obviously moved houses. It was unfurnished, so I had to go to IKEA to get to get um um all the product like beds and whatever and honestly speaking i don't think i've been as stretched as i was a few weeks ago when it came to putting together ikea furniture there's a bit of an art form to it because their their instruction manuals are a bit odd like they just have like a couple of diagrams and circles and i'm thinking why don't they just write down what you're meant to do yeah, a lot of it you kind of figure out, or by virtue of having done lots of other IKEA projects, you kind of figure out this is what they're expecting from me, and this is yeah. this is the direction we're going in. Sorry, I, don't know I was going to say, I find it, uh, I find it interesting that you've moved to London because I feel like a lot of people are going in the other direction, particularly as you mentioned in terms of things that are changing in the pandemic. I feel like uh, maybe we'll talk about it a bit more, but you know, now that a lot more people are working remotely or there's a lot more flexibility and freedom, there's a lot of people that are thinking about some form of maybe geographical arbitrage where maybe you move somewhere that's cheaper to live or, you know, more affordable. You might as well save on your rent costs. If, if you're not going to be, uh, traveling in or commuting to work, then a lot of people are thinking about maybe moving outside and not feeling just tied to London or the commuter belt. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, I've had some messages. Um, obviously, it was, it was in Manchester for a while. And so people have been messaging me like, you know, um, what are the house prices like there? You know, what's it like to buy there? Because people are genuinely, as you said, considering just leaving London, um, getting a house somewhere else and just working online, so to speak. Um, 
It's interesting because I, I, I definitely want to, I want you to kind of say a bit more about what you do for people who kind of wondering, you know, writer and entrepreneur seems very, um, I, I was, I was recently on, uh, on GB news, giving my thoughts on something and, um, in the, in the, in the kind of, you know, lower third, as it were, they put entrepreneur and then, um, cause I was talking about something quite, quite charged, which was like, um, stop and search. Someone, someone in the replies was like, what does this guy do? What's, what's this entrepreneur? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, sounds very vague. And I thought, oh gosh. Um, so I want to find out a bit more about what you do. And perhaps that's a good place to start, actually. This idea of uh, relocating, moving, and working online, and whether that's here to stay. Of course, we all know most companies are, have committed to a sort of, you know, part work at home, work in the office type of situation. I just wonder what the long-term nature is that, but be, of that is. But before we go there, just uh, for people who are wondering, I want to know a bit more about you. What, what, what exactly do you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, full-time, I'm still working full-time. I'm working in tech at the moment. And ironically, as you just mentioned, we are, we've been working remotely over the last year, but we're going to be moving towards a hybrid kind of working model. So probably doing maybe two or three days in the office and the rest working remotely. So that's what I do full-time, but then also I write online. So I have a newsletter called The Knowledge um, and I write quite widely. I also write fiction as well, which is a lot of fun. Um, and then business-wise, so yes, I'm an entrepreneur. I've run a few businesses. I used to run a, a travel business, which was a travel collective. That's pre-COVID, prior to the pandemic. Um, but we have a travel podcast and then I also have a personal podcast with the knowledge and then i have the coffee and wine business so we sell african coffee online and also uh, wine that's sourced from i guess small family estates around europe so that's uh, democratic republic or demrep world online um and so yeah so we sell those and as you mentioned we are expanding i guess our online presence of previously just doing direct-to-consumer uh, coffee and wine and opening a coffee space in Shoreditch soon. Wow. That's a lot of things. <laughs> and you, and, and it's you probably too well. much. <laughs> you don't look stressed as well. You know, some people, when they say what they do, you can see it. Like you can see it on their face. Or they say yeah. like they do five things you go, I can tell, you know, I'm that type of guy, actually. When people, when I tell people they're like, yeah, you need to rest. Like you look like you need to rest. <laughs> Whereas you, you look very effervescent. You look very kind of, you know, relaxed and i mean that's good to hear i'm glad to hear that i don't always feel that way but it's what's good your daily routine i'm joking i'm joking this is what people are <laughs> asking that what's your so daily facial routine or something I've, I've heard someone say that once oh yeah, yeah a lot of people are getting into those kind of things i think particularly during the pandemic i think it's really accelerated because th some of these trends existed in terms of for example, like desk setups and uh, daily routines, morning routines, people trying out. I saw someone recently was saying they, they were trying out um, just some random old ladies like morning routine as though that was going to do something for their life. I don't know. So th some of these trends existed, but I guess now that everyone's been at home, people are th those things have accelerated a lot. Yeah. I, I, you know, I should say for those wondering, I have no routine. I, I should say, though, I do get I, I have been told I have nice skin. And then mm. the girls always say it. They're like, you know, how do you have it? I genuinely do nothing. 
um, this, 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 this is I'm sure you food. drink a lot of water though. That's usually yeah. I do drink. Yeah. To be fair, I do have a lot of fluids. I was talking to my friend yesterday about our fridge is just full of fluids. So yeah, that is true. But let's pick up on this idea of of relocating and working from home. I told you be before at the start that this McKenzie report uh, was revealing that you know since lockdown there's been a 20x increase in Zoom daily participants. That is crazy to think about. Um, 20x in a year yeah. is. I mean, for any company, that's just I mean, that's like winning the lottery six days in a row or something. It's just a crazy, we don't get 20x growth like that in a year, um, especially when you're a pretty big company already. So away from Zoom and the kind of successes they've had, that's obviously going to change things quite a bit. Uh, uh, McKenzie also reported that there's been a rise in unemployment, that there's been, there's been a decline in kind of on-the-go consumption, and remote working has become this, this kind of new thing. Um, now, you, you mentioned that you, re you remote work. Um, or, or there's a kind of pot. Do you, do you see as do you see as viable long term to to just kind of for companies to to, to kind of just be remote and to have all these different uh, employees dotted in Manchester and and you know and Newcastle and some in London? Do you think that's actually something that will that might exist long term? You know what? I guess that's what we're going to have to figure out. I think remote working is one of those things that people have wanted for a long time and employees have always asked for more working flexibility and it's always something that employers have been very reticent to give them. And so it's very interesting that, again, I feel like the pandemic has really just accelerated a lot of things that already existed in some ways. There were already lots of companies where maybe they had hot desking in the office or they were at least moving in that direction and maybe what people could take one or two days off. And now we're kind of getting to the reverse where people are expecting a minimum of two or three days off and really they're asking for maybe more than that and so I think it will be an interesting transition period it will depend on the industry obviously there's some industries where it's going to be necessary that people need to be there all the time but I do think that the the perspectives of the individual workers have changed a lot. People are now coming towards jobs with a lot more expectations of what they should have, what they are willing to take in a job. I think we've also seen record numbers of people leaving jobs, uh, both in the US and in the UK. So people are just quitting their jobs. It's not, they're not getting fired. They're just thinking about, you know, what do I really want from this job? People want to be more flexible. They want to have all these perks or whatever it is, and they're voting with their feet. Yeah, uh, you know, a, a part of me always wants to kind of ascertain, you know, what part of you know certain change, you know, you you know, are you getting great adoption for? Because just because it's novel and new, and and what part is you know are we having adoption because it's actually good? So I know lots of people, mm -hmm. like you just mentioned, who quit their job during lockdown. Um, you know, young guys that I mentor, general kind of just friends who just like you know what I've had enough. Um, this thing isn't fulfilling me. It's not you know it's it's not consistent with my purpose or how I see myself in the world and then they essentially leave <clears throat> and and working from home as you've said has been this thing that everyone's accepted I just wonder again is it because it's like novel and new and it's kind of like different because there is there is also something about the regularity of like having a space for work so I'm, I'm privileged like you are I'm, there's this office which is separate to my room and to my living room and my flatmates room the, the separation but most people, especially in London, for instance, do not have the luxury of a private office or like a separate room that they can make an office. If anything, their office is attached to their bed. It's in the living room. And so it's, 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 kind of, yeah. it's quite chaotic. So long term, is that really doable? If we don't have the wide infrastructure change, 
you know, of like, you know, new homes that do you, that, that where people are thinking about an, an office space or one bed apartments where you're thinking about, oh, here's a special room for an office. If that doesn't happen as well, long term, does it work? It, it makes me, <laughs> it brings the memory, this TikTok I saw of uh i wish i I wish i could just show it maybe maybe in post we'll we'll put it up of this lady who who uh says me working from home in ghana and she's literally sat on a on a desk working from and there's just cows like running around her (laughs) i just like doing the most and i just thought to myself no this when we say working from home you know as as someone who looks after a company and someone like you as well is there that fear that yo this can't work long term this might be a nice thing for now but how do I know people aren't going to be in the park you know, having a cordial with like l- l- logged into Skype for business? Yeah, I mean, that's that's where having a strong company culture or those are the things that people have to figure out. But it's funny because, you know, I was one of those people that literally just worked from my room up until recently. And I think, again, these are the things that it's because the pandemic in some ways has lasted so long people have been forced to adjust because previously I had, you know, I had the same desk, but I was working in my room and I had these things in my room. And it's only when you have this prolonged period of needing to change that you kind of adapt to it. And that's why I'm thinking that in some ways, I do think some elements will last at least for a while longer because so many people have adapted. Like now I've had to set up this whole separate room with a desk and all these things. And now I'm quite comfortable here. So now you're asking me to go all the way back to an office for more than, let's say, three days a week after people have already maybe spent a lot of money or, you know, gone to a lot of extents to create comfortable working spaces at home. Or some people, maybe they're working in coffee shops or other places. I think there's a balance there. But it's funny with what you were mentioning before, because I think there's some things that are in some ways because it's novel but when you think about it like even the zoom thing okay loads of loads more people are using zoom in some ways that's not surprising because we've had to figure out how else are we going to meet how else are we going to talk how else will we have discussions but in some ways it's not new at all like we've had skype since what the early 2000s or even earlier for such a long time video calling is not a new thing it's existed in so many formats in so many ways um I remember we there used to be like a Skype phone in also in the early 2000s. So again, before FaceTime was a thing, before all of these new tools existed, we've had a lot of the technology to do some of these things, but we haven't had the necessity to use them in the way that we have. So I think in some ways, maybe we like it's easy to transition back to living the way that we have. But I think what's really changed is the mindset. It's not so much that the technology is new. It's more that people are thinking in slightly different ways and reconsidering, do we need to have this meeting in real life? Do we need to, even do we need to have this meeting? Can we just chat via Slack or send an email or have a, like a text discussion? So I think people are thinking about things in new ways. There's people I've met for coffee where we've just done it virtually. Now maybe there's people I've met in real life as well. But again, we're reconsidering a lot of these things. So I think the good part is that I think some of it will have long lasting impact in terms of businesses and individuals thinking more carefully about the way they do different things. Uh, but I do think there's some of it will return because you do need some element of camaraderie. It's weird. I, I've met someone at work for only the second time. We've been working together for like over a year and <laughs> we only met for the second time ever this week or a few weeks ago. So I do think you need some aspects of, you know, team collaboration and camaraderie and uh, even just between friends, between social groups, you need a lot of that as humans. But I do think that 
being able to have those options is a great thing. And, and having people yeah. be comfortable with those options now is also a great thing. I think one interesting thing that, that is quite subtle, but it struck me as quite interesting was, as you said, the whole working from home, the advent of, you know, remote work and whatever it was, um, in part, that was because of protecting people's mental health, protecting, you know, them as it were. And then slowly it became about company efficiency. The fact that people are actually more efficient the more they work from home, right? And so I just wonder, you know, as someone who is you know, greatly interested in, in, in you know, digital proliferation and, and, and stuff like that, this rush to, the, to digital, whilst you're like, so whilst you're right, it makes us more, you know, uh, dynamic. It, it makes working more interesting because there's all these kind of uh, different things, uh, different, um, uh, different ways you can do it. Is it good for us though? You know, um, uh, one of the uh, stats that came from the McKenzie report was again, that no, no, in in terms of e-learning and learning, remote learning has become this big thing as well. We all know about uh, students who had to do a whole year of university online. In fact, even uh, next month in September, some universities, I won't name and shame them, have equally said they're going to stay online. Uh, 35% of Netflix subscribers, uh, according to YouGov, use it for the educational content. They're talking about meeting people online, working online. You know, at a time where we're being told, all the reports are showing the negative effect that you know, the kind of digital citizenship and living online is having on, on, on people, should we really be celebrating a, a kind of a greater, faster move online? Is that a good thing? I'd say I'm kind of torn between both sides of the argument, because in some ways... I think that the future of education will probably be very remote. And in some ways it should be. I think that, you know, imagine a world where you have huge immigrants populations in the UK, the US, loads of countries around the world, which solely exist, uh, not everyone, but a large proportion of people, people are coming to give their children a better shot at education and life and working and all those things. But imagine if, if it's remote, you don't have to leave Nigeria or Pakistan or China. You could just stay there and sign up for the University College of London or King's College or Oxford or Cambridge completely online from Pakistan and learn everything that you need to learn and get the skills that you need, um, obviously. And, and then maybe there's work that you could do, again, remotely. And so in some ways, it could help to bolster the global workforce greatly and it could change a lot about how we think about collaborating with each other even as a small business for example it's made me reconsider because before I think when we were bringing on new people even as interns I would always think people have to be based in London because I'm based in London you know what if we want to meet up not that we're actually doing anything in a physical space but you know it's you think that you need to be in the same city to be able to work effectively but I think one of the things that the pandemic has made me think about is that often we don't and and so I think one of the recent applications that we were doing for a role, I had people applying from Ghana, people applying from Nigeria, from other places. And I mean, we didn't end up hiring anyone from there, but it did make me seriously think about how, how much we actually need someone to be here because some of these time zones in Africa are only an hour away. And so there's actually no real difference. So I think on yeah. one hand, there's a great promise. On the other hand, I do think that... Um, there, there can be some difficulties. I do think that particularly for younger people, having your entire life move online, uh, when we haven't even figured out 
the existing stuff. So again, pre-pandemic, we already had issues with the mental health of young people being uh, exposed to social media, being exposed to Instagram, being exposed to TikTok. I think there's already so much toxicity that we haven't learned to navigate. And then you're adding on top of that, the only time that they would have had for socialization to go outside and play and to meet friends and meet people. Now people are making, I mean, we've, we've done this again in some ways in the past, but I think the difference was before you would go out to school, then people would come home. Sometimes people would play video games at home, but then you would also have a chance to go outside. And I think yeah. we've moved from that to you stay in your room, you go to school in your room, you play with your friends in your room, then you go online, you play some video games, you meet people, but it's all entirely virtual. And so I think that is the one worry that people won't really have social skills in the way that we've had before. And people won't really be able to navigate uh, yeah, whether it's making friends, managing relationships, things like that. Yeah, I, and you know, as you say that, you know, I, I don't consider that like a kind of one of the small issues. I think that's a really big problem. Um, you know, I have a younger brother. I, you know, I have younger younger siblings, and and when I look at their ability to navigate real world relationships, it's really bad. Um, mm. in, in that, even before COVID, I was already worried about their attention span. For instance, the fact that I could be talking to, I don't name anybody. I could be talking to one of my younger siblings um, and past five minutes, they're like, they're bored. Now it may be me. Let's be, let's also, let's also put it on the table. Maybe I'm just not interested. Right. But, but I could see them struggling to kind of pay attention, even watching videos. If, yeah. if there's a YouTube video, that's like five minutes that it's like, they're like, I can't actually watch this. Uh, and, yeah. and Cause that's a trend as well, right? With even the type of content that we consume, it's getting shorter and yeah. shorter before shorter, you watch an hour long YouTube video, then it's 30 minutes, one. then it's one minute, 15 seconds. Yeah. And, 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 and for me, you know, you know, uh, my age and folks who are older than me listening to this, they're aware that, that, you know, this, this new digital age, it's going to be some sort of blended thing. You know, that I, I don't like my phone. I complain about it all the time. I try and put it away. I have periods where I don't touch it. And, and most people older than me have that kind of blended way of living, so to speak. Um, but I, I find young people and old people. So folks at, at the extremes, you know, so aunties and uncles live on Facebook as we know. Um, and, and, and in some ways are just as bad as, as the young people we're talking about. You don't have uh, the, 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 the kind of aptitude and so on and so forth. It, it scares me because as I read more of these trends, like I said, this, this report was really fascinating. Um, you know, some of the numbers excite me, some scare me. So the, so the fact that we've had an 80% reduction in international travel, right, um, is a bit scary. Because, because yes, you know, of course, for the for the tourism industry, that's a problem. But also, I was speaking to one of my younger brothers, and I said, you know, when the world opens back up, would you love to like? We should go to America, you know? And he was like, Nah, I don't want to go. I said, Why? And he was like, oh, It's long. And I thought, What? When I was young, travel was like winning the lottery. I would be on a plane, like I can't believe this is happening to me. You know, just like we're gonna go see somewhere else because there was that natural curiosity to experience another culture, to, to go see different things. The problem is he's seen America on like TikTok a million times. And so the notion, the idea of going there is like there's nothing to gain because I've already seen it. Isn't that one of, isn't that another reason, you know, to be kind of watchful and very kind of 
careful about this digital age that I think sometimes we celebrate so quickly for its efficiency and the fact that it makes life kind of, you know, faster. It's like, yeah, but it's ruining, I think, to some degree, young people's experiences of the world. Yeah, I do agree with that. And I think also when you layer on top of that, the fact that a lot of the perceptions that we have of whether it's places or things or other people's lives, it's through a very particular lens, again, often through like apps like Instagram or some of these platforms where, you know, oh, I, I see a lot. I've been to Japan a few times and I, I really enjoy going. But all the pictures that you see of Japan on the internet are always these like heavily color graded. They've made all yeah. the colors pop. And I'm like, I love it, but it doesn't actually look exactly like that. Like if you, <laughs> if you got to go, you might see that it's not quite like that, but it's still great. And so I think that's the interesting thing where a lot of people might see some of these things online, but that's not actually what some of these countries look like. You know, that's not actually what places look like. And it's only until you go there or until you experience some of these things for yourself that you understand what they're like. Uh, but similarly, you know, a lot of people, I think part of the issue with the internet in general now, particularly with the younger generation, is that it also adds a lot of comparison bias with their peers because you don't really know who your peers are anymore. I think before, you know exactly who your age mates are and you know exactly what maybe the expectations of what you should have or what opportunities will be available to you or what you can afford are. Whereas now you're on the internet, uh, people are on Twitter, people are on Instagram. You don't know how old these people are. You don't know what their backgrounds are. You don't know what their social status is, but you see the things that they have, what they can afford. Maybe they have surgery. Maybe they look like this. Maybe they can afford these things. And you think, wow, that you need it as well. And so I think people aren't able to, not necessarily, oh, just benchmark themselves against other people, but I think it does mislead people a lot about what they should expect from their life or from society. And that also drives people to feeling unfulfilled, feeling as though they're not able to do the things that they would like to do, not really knowing that it's actually quite unrealistic for you to be doing all those things. Um, yeah. And so I think in general, it just warps some of our perception of, of what the world around us is like. That's very well said. I, you know, I was talking to um, an older kind of pastor um, not too long ago. He was talking about social media and he was talking about, you know, when he was young, um, people oftentimes would compare themselves to celebrities. But of course, the issue with that, uh, or the interesting thing about that was, sorry, listen, I was just swearing at you. I wasn't, I'm just cleaning that. Sorry. Um, for those who are listening, I just swore at our guest, but it wasn't on purpose. Anyways, he was talking about how, you know, back in the days, he, you know, you would kind of pick up a magazine and then you may just happen to see what a celebrity's worth because you picked it up or you see them in a nice Lamborghini, whatever. But those magazines were, you know, they were, you know, you seldom saw them. It was kind of, you know, maybe you stumbled somewhere or someone showed you like, oh, interesting. And you might kind of compare yourself for a minute, but, but, but it's gone. And so with social media now, it's literally built around celebrities, i.e. celebrities have the most followers. Um, they, they're the ones who change and pretty much dominate the whole kind of landscape of, of social media. They're, they're the ones who, who, who dictate how it's used. They sell things. They're the ones who do promo. They're the ones who are used for marketing. And so before where you would stumble upon what a celebrity is worth, you now see it pretty much every single day. They're posting every single day. They're doing IG lives. They're telling you how great their life is. Now, twin with it, what you've just said, which is, on top of comparing yourself to celebrities, you're not comparing yourself to every kind of person it seems like that's interested in what you're interested in, not even just your friends, but as you said, folks in America, folks in, you know, you don't even know what things cost in, in, uh, in, uh, 
in Mexico, but you'll compare yourself to the guy anyways, you know, for, for, in terms of what he has and what you don't have. And that incessant comparison and just thinking and, and information, it's got to be debilitating. And, and when I look at some young people in my life, I can see the fruit. They, they're scared to, I, I've, I've given this example like a hundred times where they, people say, um, people don't post on social media and you say why and they're like oh i have i don't have an announcement to make yet you know i don't have a anything to say that's like grand and you go yo it was it was it was just for taking pictures back in the days right yeah All that's that not what stuff, it's for it's, it's scary it's really really scary mm. to me but i do want to get to one thing which has also changed which i'm probably guilty of of exacerbating the change as well <laughs> which is of course kind of shopping and consumption and and just how covid or lockdown has really exacerbated this surge in e-commerce right um you know uh the, the report i was reading um said something really interesting which i want to get your take on david because especially because of what you're about to launch which which obviously i think we can talk about now um the lock lockdown has shown or revealed that the people in their consumption trends have a preference for trusted brands. Um, mm. There's a shift in you know shopping at stores closer to home, where before folks would kind of venture and travel to different places to, to get things. Um, there's great polarization when it comes to sustainability. Um, in that. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, some people are very like COVID has meant they really care about sustainability, whereas some they actually care less now about sustainability. Maybe because they're just thinking about I just need the cheapest thing. I don't have time for for fair trade or, or what it's doing to the world, so, so to speak, right? Um, but I think the the the, the large uh, uh, oh, and there's there is one also quirk which I think we all know, which is that um, uh, <laughs> this is really random statistic, but. According to again the research done, um, people are shopping less, but they're buying more when they shop, which may be because of that period when we went shopping and like you, you didn't know how long the queue was going to be next time you <laughs> next time you go you go get food. So so shopping baskets are larger, but shopping frequency is is reduced. So in the middle of all these consumption trends, you decided, David, you're going to launch a. A, uh, a a coffee shop, but also you know I think you're going to be selling wine as well. So it's like a, a coffee wine joint, but but you know why? <laughs> it's a good question. Well, I, I think we can tie some of what we've just been talking about together. So there's this uh, the concept of mimesis in general, uh, which Rene Girard writes about a lot, um, and I think that applies to what we were talking about just before in terms of how. So the concept of mimesis is about how we copy each other when we copy the traits and we copy the things that other people do, and that's how we learn about the world. And I think that is something that we see a lot in consumer traits where particularly when things are online you know how do you know how to furnish your house you go on pinterest you go on instagram and you see what other people are buying and you see what's recommended to you by algorithms you don't know how anyone decides on what to show you but those are the things that you're shown those are the things that you're fed and so that's how people make a lot of these buying decisions it's largely by virtue of what they're exposed to, uh, particularly when it's online and then you decrease the friction between, okay, you've seen something on Instagram, now you can buy that same thing through Instagram and you have this complete you know, vertical integration of going from seeing and consuming visually to consuming monetarily and, and ordering things online. So I think that is something that already existed to an extent, but particularly during the pandemic has grown a lot in terms of 
Uh, one, just our, how prone people are to mimesis in terms of copying what others do. You have, I think we talked about this uh, earlier in this recording as well, in terms of, for example, people watch videos of, oh, people's desk setups and tours of people's homes. And so there's a lot of consumption, which is just around how other people live. And so that on one hand, we can voyeuristically live through others, but then also that we can consume the way others consume. And so I think that's a huge part of the way that we consume now. Uh, but then I do think that you're right in terms of the other side is, you know, people also want to consume things that they trust because while there's been a proliferation of things that you can copy, there's also more fakes and there's more, you know, which one is the real one, which one is the highest quality. And so people also want to be able to trust things. And so, for example, on one hand, we've launched the direct-to-consumer e-commerce brand. So we're selling coffee and we're selling wine online directly to consumers, doing a lot of the things that we talked about, uh, having a social media presence, selling online, being able to buy things through that platform. But I think also being able to have a physical space that people can gather around and that people can identify with the brand and people can build that trust with the brand, I think is super important for us as well. I think that as much as people have enjoyed the experiences online and people that's become second nature to a lot of people in terms of their, how they shop. But I still think that a lot of people do still want the fellowship that I think coffee and wine are both products that are like inherently for sharing. Um, ironically, I wasn't planning to talk about this. I was actually going to write about it at some point, but I was reading recently, there was a really interesting book. I can't remember what it's called, but it was talking about how one of the earliest acts of like a super early, I think like a, Mexican civilization was just having these big beer gatherings. Like uh, there's a theory that humans, even before gathering in bigger tribes or bigger towns for the sake of, I don't know, survival, actually mm -hmm. gathered just to have parties and drink beer and drink wine and things like that. Um, and so actually some of the early grains and things that they grew were grains that are better for fermenting alcohol rather than grains that are better for growing and, and feeding your cattle and things like that. But I think, you know, throughout history, these are the kind of things that have brought people together. And I think that's something that we want to play a big part in, uh, particularly with things like coffee, being able to bring people out of their houses and get people to meet together and bring people into physical spaces. I think that is something that is still really important. And I don't want people to forget about that. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think it's going to do really well. Not least because I'll buy like half your product. Um, I'll, I'll buy half the stock um, because because um, I'm I'm slow I'm slowly getting back into coffee. I used to love coffee. I mean, literally, um, when I was young, I would drink it to go to bed. I would drink it in the morning. I just coffee, coffee, coffee. I, I think, and it came from me trying to copy my dad. Actually, you know, he he used to drink coffee, so I was like, what is this thing? So I would drink coffee as well. Then I discovered Coffee Mate at that time which was out it was like what this thing tastes even better then i started going to all these kind of artisan and kind of you know specialist coffee shops that, that make all these random ways and then i became a coffee snob oh you drink out starbucks oh, it's not real coffee you know that kind of stuff right um and uh and then uh, uh, my eyes used to twitch from like i think too much caffeine <laughs> so i stopped <laughs> and i moved to tea instead um and tea is very different, uh, um, you know. And it, for me, I, I'm I'm an obsessive kind of person, so I got into tea big time, loose leaf tea, and and all the different how teas compose, just all that kind of nonsense. Um, 
and they're all they're worlds within themselves. And now I'm kind of like really considering: am I a tea person or a coffee person? Because I, I like the subtleness of tea, um, and, I, and I like and I like uh, I like how you know obviously because it's caffeine, but it's just not it's, it's not as in terms of the coffees I drink, anyways. It's just not as um, strong, and it's and it's a bit more balanced. And my energy levels mm. and the tension tends to kind of you know be a bit more balanced when I drink tea. It, it's probably a stupid question me asking someone about to launch a coffee shop. Um, what they prefer, coffee or tea, but with everything just said, where, you know, where 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 where, yeah. where do you lean? I actually have both. Uh, so usually, I think I'll have coffee in the morning and then tea more later in the afternoon. But one thing that I would say for you, and then also something I recommend in general, you should actually try some of the other coffees that we have because so we sell only African coffees. Um, I, I don't know if we have time to talk about the history of coffee in Africa and colonialism and all those things. But, well, I think you covered uh, it in our last podcast. So it's a good way I? to fantastic. To you back. Yeah. <laughs> guys, go, go listen to the last podcast uh, I did with David. He talks at length about just the history of coffee um, in Africa and, and, and why Democratic Republic uh, exists, which is amazing. Yeah, but the point I was just going to make is that actually some African coffees are also very light and you can enjoy them like teas and because the flavor is yeah it's very like you can have them black without any issue and it doesn't taste just like as coarse or as you know maybe like instant coffee or some very strong coffee so i think there's a wide variety of tastes within when when you get to know coffee better and you know what tastes like what then you know that there's a, a wider variety for however you're feeling yeah. at the time so I, I guess my my thing is i don't want to crash um, and and, and yeah. that's that's probably why I stopped drinking coffee. I don't want to kind of be like, whoa, in the morning, like you know, you're like, come on, let's go, and then like literally by one, you're done. How how do I ensure that doesn't happen? That I don't crash. Yeah, sure. I think uh, the timing is one. Uh, I've been thinking or reading a lot about like coffee and sleep and and things like that. I think you can avoid crashing by one. I guess drinking in moderation in the first place. I think very often people just drink a whole lot of coffee very quickly and then that's the end. Um, whereas if you drink slowly, which I think is something that we should encourage in general, just eating and drinking more slowly, then I think you the amount of coffee that you're getting uh, is, is prolonged. But then also maybe you could try different types of coffee. So uh, different types of coffee might have a different caffeine content. So if you're drinking a coffee that has like a super high caffeine content and your baseline is much lower than that, then that's kind of where some of the effects of crashing comes from. Uh, whereas if you were having a uh, coffee that has lower caffeine, then you don't feel those effects in the same way. So I'd say what, that what, also what, just what, drink what, water. What are, your, what are your thoughts on decaffeinated coffee? I'm not a huge fan, if I'm honest. Just um, I'm not a huge fan because I think there's huge benefits of caffeine. However, I also think there's some pros because I think people also miss out that coffee has loads of other benefits aside from caffeine and so actually if you're having decaffeinated coffee that's actually coming from just whole coffee beans you're actually getting still a lot of the other benefits of coffee uh, but maybe without the caffeine but i still think that uh just try different types of coffee maybe like tanzania machwari is one of the coffees that we have uh that is very is a lot lower on caffeine and it's quite a light coffee yeah wow i feel like i've just been to coffee school 
and and I went online. Would you look at that? Um, no, listen, this was brilliant. I wish you all the success with obviously the business. It's launched. I hope people go check it out. It's launching. I know it's probably you don't want to give a date, I imagine, but um, I, people can check it out very soon. Um, yes, uh, hopefully uh, later it, this month. Superb. And um, they follow you, the uh, DLQU, and you'll see it in the you know in the description, whatever it is. Uh, uh, tap it, follow, and support. I mean, support. Yes, it's a black business, but it's good. It's good coffee, premium quality type of stuff. And so, like I said, I'll be there. The minute you guys open, you let me know because I'm probably a stone throw away now. 20-something minutes, 30 minutes maybe. Um, I'll be there trying out the Tanzanian, what did you call it? Matwari. Matwari. I feel like I feel like coffee people just like, just also like there's 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 a bit of snobbery with with coffee like that. <laughs> oh, this is a Mozambique, uh, Mozambique, uh, you know, Tatwale. You're like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I think some of it is good. I mean, part of what we want to do is be able to democratize a lot of that, and we want people to Love be it. able to understand, I guess, the the history and the culture behind My some country. of the coffees as well. Nah, brilliant. It's going to be stellar, man. And so I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Uh, It's been great, folks. If you enjoyed this, please do subscribe, uh, especially if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify, then you can follow. And on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating. Let us know how you find it, how you found it. Um, uh, the hashtag is common sense pod. If you want to tell us, you know, what you think about coffee, what kind of coffee you drink, are you a coffee or a tea person? Um, and perhaps you want to just share how COVID's changed your life. I'm really interested in hearing how COVID's changed people's lives. It's really helped me slow down. I know some people are like, what, Mike, you, you, you think you're slow now? It's like, yeah, yeah but I was faster before. So trust me, it's changed things. Um, and of course, uh, one thing I'm really open to as well is, hearing from you folks who listen and who watch now what kind of guests you, you you want us to get on uh, this podcast as we grow as as we do more episodes uh, please again use the dm function on social media just let us know what kind of guests you think would be great to speak to um i hope you have a great week and if you listen to, to this not on monday i hope your week's going good uh thank you so much and see you in the next